Let us now turn to the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 8 and reading at verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And just for a little time this evening, we would consider how the Spirit of the Lord moves and how it works in the hearts of men and women, in the hearts of his believing people, and in the hearts of those to whom he brings conviction of sin, to those who come to know that they are dead in trespasses and in sin. And it is the one Holy Spirit that operates in both. For it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And I think I've said it already since I came, but it doesn't matter what Jesus said before. He went back to the Father's right hand. He said to his followers, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But when I go away, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And we know that after he returned to glory, he did send the Holy Spirit in great measure on that great day of Pentecost when the people were, of God were assembled together in one place with one accord. They had one thing in mind that was pleading the promise that Jesus gave before he turned to his father's hand. He said to his followers, go back to Jerusalem and tarry there. Go back possibly to the upper room and tarry there until I will send down upon you my Holy Spirit. And they obeyed, and they waited in Jerusalem. They were in one place with one accord. There was unity of purpose, and that is a great thing among God's people, a unity of purpose, looking for the blessing of Jesus upon them. And while they waited, suddenly, maybe unexpectedly, the Holy Spirit came down like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole place where they were assembled. And things began to take place. The apostles began to speak with tongues of fire. And as we know, men and women were convicted and certainly converted. So that whatever we do for the Lord, we are totally dependent upon the power of his Holy Spirit. 
whether it be preaching, whether it be praying, whether it be reading God's Word, teaching in the Sabbath school, any Christian work, we are totally dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. As I said already, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh is continually warring against the Spirit and will war until the soul is taken to glory. There will never be any agreement between the flesh and the Spirit. And so, this evening we will try and consider how the Spirit worked in connection with Philip himself and the Ethiopian eunuch, and how indeed mysteriously God works. God works in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. And again, coming back to what I'm sure we already said, when Nicodemus came to Jesus on that memorable night and addressed himself to Jesus and said, Thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. But Jesus didn't answer as we would expect. He didn't say, yes, I've been telling you all along that I came from God and that I'm going back to God. No, he said, Nicodemus, there's one thing that is of vital importance. You must be born again before you can enter into the kingdom of God here below or there above. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Therefore, I say unto you, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was thrown into a state of confusion. He said, born again? How can I enter the second time into my mother's room and be born? And Jesus gave him that wonderful illustration from nature. He said, Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth, where it pleaseth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, you cannot see the wind, but you can hear its sound. And furthermore, you can see the devastation that the wind can cause. It strikes here and there. A tree is uprooted here, one is left standing there, a building is blown down there, another is left standing, the wind is blowing where it listeth and strikes here and there. And so he said, that's how the Holy Spirit is working. It strikes one person here, it strikes one person there, and it will strike one person away down there where it listeth. Although you do not see the wind, 
yet you can hear its sound. And so, in connection with the work of the Holy Spirit, we cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we can hear the Holy Spirit, and we can see what the Holy Spirit can do, how men and women can be transformed and made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And to get back to where we hope to think about Philip and the eunuch. There we find it that there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Persecution, yes, and along with persecution, the preaching of the gospel and men and women being born again. Although the church of Christ, it can never be destroyed. Like the burning bush, it may burn, but it shall never be consumed. The marvelous thing is that oftentimes the church of Christ prospers and goes from strength to strength under persecution. Isn't that how they found it in Romania? A faithful people kept down, but still they could not be kept down. The Spirit of God was at work. And so here we find, although persecution is taking place, these disciples and people of God are scattered abroad everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip. This was Philip's lot under the power of the Holy Spirit and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. He didn't go down to Samaria to hide or to save himself as such. He was really sent there by God and he preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And we read that there was great joy in that city. Men and women were born again. They were made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And because of that, there was great joy in Samaria. You see, there is no joy like Christian joy. It's entirely different to any other joy because it is Christ-orientated. It comes through Christ, through the Trinity, so that it is not a man sort of made joy. It's something that comes down like the dew from heaven, so that there was great joy in that city. And it would appear that the cause of Christ was prospering under the ministry of Philip. There could be no doubt about it. So much so 
that from the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Peter and John came down to help Philip with this great work that had come up in Samaria. And they went down and they laid their hands on these people so that they received the Holy Ghost. Well, then we would agree that the cause of Christ was prospering. And it must have given great joy to Philip, where the Lord had blessed him, and where he was able to preach the gospel of Christ. And souls were won for Christ. But then there was this as of sudden change, this sudden change, the angel of the Lord, or again we would say the Spirit of the Lord, spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. What a challenge. I wonder how Philip felt. Did he say, Well, have I been deceiving myself? Has things been as prosperous as I thought? I believe that men and women were converted. How is it that God is calling me out of here to go down somewhere where I may not expect to see anyone? He was just a man after all. These things may have come up in his mind. Why should he be taken away when he, he was the cause of Christ was indeed prospering in Samaria. But you see, Philip had the spirit of the living God. Philip was a converted man. And Philip, after all, was led by the spirit. I'm sure Philip left himself open to the Holy Spirit to direct him wherever the Lord would have him be. And that is, I'm sure, the great secret, that by grace we would leave ourselves wide open to the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us wherever the Lord would want us to be. As the Spirit, as Jesus said, can lead and guide us into all truth and bring all things to our remembrance. And so we read that he arose and went. He was not disobedient to the heavenly voice. And that, I'm sure, is very important indeed, that we would not be disobedient to the heavenly voice. I remember something in my own experience that happened many years ago. We were home from Glasgow, our family, my family, late wife and family, at home in my native place. And on a Sabbath evening, I saw this man coming up the field through the croft. A local man that I knew all my days. He was by no means a religious man. He never darkened a church. And I was quite annoyed to see the poor man coming up on the Lord's Day evening. 
But he came up to speak to my wife, who belonged to Skye, and his mother came from Skye, and he thought that there was a relationship, and I believe there was. But I'm afraid that I wasn't acting the Christian, or too pleasant. Then the thought came to me, why not? Why not take family worship? But I disobeyed, I'm afraid, the heavenly voice. And if my memory serves me right, I think the next news I heard of that man, that he was rushed to a hospital in Fort William, never to return. You see, I was disobedient. But I did hear that on his deathbed there, he was crying to the Lord for mercy. But you see, I didn't take the family worship. I never got the chance again. That man was in eternity within a very, very short time. But you see, Philip was not disobedient to the heavenly voice. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Now, here is a man, and the Holy Spirit is at work in this Ethiopian eunuch. He is a seeking soul. Lord, do my God worthy, I early seek. My soul doth thirst for thee. And no doubt, the eunuch's soul was thirsting for God as the heart does for the water brooks. And he was a man of importance. He held a very responsible position. He was of great authority under Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. A responsible position. And no doubt he would be well rewarded for it. And many would envy this man's position and perhaps would say that he had everything that anyone could desire. But that's not how the eunuch felt. There was still this missing link in his life. He was still longing for that something that silver and gold could not give, that the entire world could not give. There was this missing link, as Augustine said, that God made man for himself, and man is restless until he finds his rest in God. And that's true. The restlessness of our age, and much better than people were once upon a time, it's all because of that missing link. Yes, he had a responsible position. He would be well paid for it. But yet, he felt this something missing 
in his life. And I remember when Aristotle Onassis, the great Greek magnate, died. It was said of him that he had everything that he could wish for except happiness. He was a wealthy man, millionaire, many times over, I'm sure, but yet they said that he had everything but happiness, the missing link. And that's how Jesus would advise his own followers when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. For he said the Gentiles, the unbelieving world, they are always saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? They are earthbound. That's all that they are thinking of. The things that concern this present evil world. They are earthbound, like the man in Pilgrim's Progress, that with his rake, raking in these straws day by day, and over his head there is a crown offered, but he doesn't look up. He is earthbound. But Jesus said, if you put forth things first, all the other things will fall into line. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For, he said, your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, food, drink, and raiment. Your heavenly Father is well aware of it. But if you put first things first, you will also get these other things that you stand in need of. And that is the great comfort of a Christian, that we shall never lack any good thing. It doesn't mean that we will be wealthy, but as far as God is concerned, you and I, if we are believers, we will be provided for until we leave this present evil world. For the lions young may hungry be, and they may lack their food, but they that truly seek the Lord shall not lack any good. That's not the word of man, but the living word of the living God. And I'm sure those of us who have come up and well up in years would say with the psalmist, goodness and mercy hath followed me all the days of my life. As I said, that doesn't mean that it's an easy passage, but God knows what is best for each one of us. And so this man, the eunuch, he is a seeking soul simply because the Holy Spirit is at work in his heart. As Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed that or this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And so with conviction of sin, it's not caused by flesh and blood. It could never happen. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It comes from 
happen. And so he went up to Jerusalem to worship. Maybe believing that at this particular worship or feast or whatever it was, that he would get that missing link. That he would find what his soul was longing for to make his peace with God through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he didn't. He didn't find it in Jerusalem. He would find it in the place of God's appointment. And tonight, for you here, this is the place of God's appointment. You may find Jesus here this evening hour. And so he was returning and was sitting in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading the word of God. And isn't that a good sign when people read God's word? There are millions, I'm sure, in our beloved land tonight that never read the word of God from one year's end to the other. It's a closed book in many a home. Children are brought up like heathens. The name of God is never mentioned unless in vain, and the word of God is never read. But when people begin to read the word of God, one would conclude that a good work is beginning, that the Holy Spirit is at work, uh, for the word of God is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify God. That the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and the duty God requires of man. Yes, when old man and God's word, young man and young woman, and children interested in God's word is a very good sign indeed. And together with that, men and women, boys and girls, beginning to pray. It would be said of them, like Saul of Tarsus, Behold, he prayeth. When these things begin to take place, it is a sign that the Spirit of God is at work, that God has begun that good work in the heart, that he will carry on to perfection, even to the day of Jesus Christ. Then the Spirit, there we are again, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. That's why I told you to go down to Gaza. But when I told you to go down to Gaza, I didn't leave you to go down alone. I came down with you. I've been with you all the way from Samaria. You rose and went because I was with you. And I'm with you now and I'm telling you that this is why I brought you here. is to speak to that man. You're the means that God has called to lead this man to Christ. 
And so he said, Go near and draw thyself to this chariot. And again, Philip wasn't disobedient. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? Now, this man was a total stranger uh, to the eunuch, and likewise, Philip to the eunuch. And he would say that it was quite a pertinent question to ask a stranger, do you understand what you are reading? But you see, the eunuch was in earnest. The eunuch would cling at a straw. The eunuch wouldn't leave a stone unturned until he made his peace with God. And he certainly wasn't offended when Philip said, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I? I'm very much in the dark. I just have to confess that I do not understand. I'm so much in the dark, but I'm groping for the light. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. He must have felt this man is going to help me before he would ask him to come up into his chariot. And Philip went up and he read that the place of the scripture which the Spirit led the eunuch to read was this. He was led as a sheep, or as we have it in Isaiah 53, he was led as a lamb to slaughter and as a sheep down before our shearers, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered or asked Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this prophet, of, uh, uh, of the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? That's what I can't understand, said the eunuch. Is this man talking about himself or is, is he referring to some other man? And this was Philip's golden opportunity. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. There is no other name given under heaven and among men whereby we can be saved but the name of Jesus. They shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And this was Philip's text, that he was taken as a lamb to the slaughter. He preached unto him Jesus. And I'm sure it would be a wonderful sermon, telling the eunuch that this is the prophecy that Isaiah made concerning the coming of Jesus and what Jesus came to do, that he came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins 
of the world that God laid upon him the iniquities of us all. And that Isaiah said in the same chapter, this man was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of his peace was laid upon our peace, was laid upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He will be endeavoring to shed light on Isaiah's prophecy to the eunuch and telling the eunuch that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin, that this was the world that was made flesh and dwelt among us and that Jesus came to be one of ourselves, very man of very man and still very God of very God and that Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his friends, that he was willing to die the just in the room of the unjust, that this was the God-sent Redeemer, that men and women may be saved from the wrath which is to come, that men and women will be saved from going down into the pit because God had found a ransom. And that Jesus himself said, He that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And that the Apostle Paul would say, He loved me and he gave himself for me. Me that was the persecutor, the blasphemer, the injurious person. Yet Jesus loved me and he gave himself for me. So what more could God do for fallen men and women but what he has done when he gave his only begotten son and his father seeing him suffering on the accursed tree and there pouring out his soul even unto death. And God completely satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus offered, that it satisfied divine justice and reconciles the sinner to God. You, said Paul, who were once afar off, are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Or as the hymn writer said, I know a place where night is turned to day. I, I know a place where night is turned to day. Burdens are lifted, blind eyes made to see. There is wonder, working power in the blood of Calvary, the blood 
of Calvary. When I see the blood, I will pass over. Philip would have a lot to say about Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch is listening intently, hoping to find that missing link. And so, as Philip, as if, continues to preach, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What a thing of me to be baptized. Now, he knew something about baptism. Maybe he was, I don't know, baptized into the Jewish faith. Maybe. But although baptized into the Jewish faith, he wasn't baptized into Christ. He stopped short. But now he's wanting to be baptized. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Philip was very considerate indeed. Philip didn't say, are you certain you're converted? Are you sure you'll not fall by the wayside? No, he didn't begin with these terrifying things. He said, well, if you believe with all your heart, there is no reason why I should not baptize you. And the Philip and the Eurohansel said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I now understand that Jesus came from heaven, that this is the bread of life that came down from heaven. I now believe that this is God incarnate, the great mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. I have made this wonderful discovery. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. As Peter said to Jesus, he said, Whom do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and Eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, again the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Philip's work was done. What God had asked him to do, Philip did. And don't you agree that Philip must have been very happy indeed that he was not disobedient to the heavenly voice. He had a soul for his hire, and that was a tremendous reward. As the godly Rutherford said, if but one soul from Amworth would meet me at God's right hand, my heaven will be two heavens in Emmanuel's land. Yes, one soul for his hire was a great thing. If even tonight 
we advance all in this vast assembly for our higher would it make our heaven two heavens in Emmanuel's land and so the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip and the eunuch saw him no more it was the Holy Spirit that brought these two men together. They never knew one another, never had, I'm sure, of one another. But the Holy Spirit was in it all. God knew it from all eternity. God had his man for the Ethiopian eunuch. The Spirit of the Lord caught, drew them together. And Philip saw the eunuch, a new creation in Christ Jesus, having passed from death to life, from the power of Satan unto God. And we read that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. Now I don't know if there was anyone else with the eunuch. Some say that he would have servants. There wouldn't be that many if there were any. There weren't many that saw what happened here. But nevertheless, there is no spiritual transaction made upon earth but is immediately recorded in heaven. It begins in heaven and it ends in heaven. And furthermore, we read that there is joy in heaven, in the presence of the angels, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the redeemed souls in heaven. There is joy ringing throughout heaven over one sinner that repenteth. That's the value of our souls. One sinner converted, and heaven is ringing with joy. No matter what the world may say, the world will ridicule you if you say that you are converted. But don't you worry about the world, my dear young friends. Don't worry. You might say, what will my companions say when I tell them tomorrow that I'm converted? Don't worry. In due course, they will admire you. They will admire you. Don't you be afraid? Yes, you might be ridiculed, but don't. Don't let that put you off. If God be for us, who can be against us? Joy in heaven, the value of your soul and mine over one sinner that repented. Heaven is concerned about you and me. God is concerned. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and possibly the redeemed, concerned about men and women who are still in this present evil world. He went on his way rejoicing. Who knows? But there could be joy in heaven this evening.
someone here or in the other gatherings repenting and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now for me, this has been a wonderful privilege. I never preached to such a vast assembly in my life and I don't believe I ever will again. So it's been a real pleasure and I hope a time of blessing for preachers and people. May God bless you all. Let us pray. What can we render to thee for all thy benefits towards us and for the time of communion and fellowship we enjoyed during these days and the hospitality and kindness in the home of thy servants and their family, meeting with friends new and old. Lord, we pray that all these things would be blessed to us and that we would all grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Give us grace now to sing our closing song of praise and dismiss us with thy blessing. For Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>